All right. Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV as I like to call it. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I am an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, as well as creator and founder of not only just the live TV, but also the Women Supporting Women Can Network. So today's sponsor, we have a Phoenix Identity. They are offering you, if you're truly ready to get rid of the noise, reclaim your identity and want to feel like you're in control of your own life, go check them out. They have a clarity session that is regular $149 with the coupon code clarity one, you are able to get their clarity session for $97 and start feeling like you're in control of your life and that you can be making progress to your mental health, your happiness and your well-being. So go and check that out link in the description. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about reclaiming yourself by removing the noise. And both uh, Perul and I, and I hope I said that, pronounced that properly, we both have experienced this. We both work with this. Uh, so who better to bring this knowledge than us? So I'm going to hand it over to my guest to introduce themselves. Perul, would you do the honors? Sure. Thanks, Melissa. Um, I do want to start by saying thanks a lot for having me here and for obviously creating this platform for people to be coming over and sharing their stories. I think it's brilliant. Um, I am a soulful confidence coach and I work with women in helping them connect with their true essence, their innate self-worth, their inner self-power and create unshakable confidence from the inside out. So when I say soulful confidence, my work is around mindset, energetics, soul shifts with stuff like tapping, um, somatic healing, breath work, um, um, you know, like yogic principles, um, all of these things. And so it's not just like your fake it till you make it kind of confidence tips and tricks, but it's really creating the change from the inside out. And that's so important. We should. And I don't think enough people understand that your emotional health and your happiness, really just in general, your happiness, whether it's your life, your relationship, your finances, your business, your career, your happiness in your life starts within yourself. A lot of people will say, oh, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when this happens. I'll be happy when I lose 20 pounds. I'll be happy when I'm successful. That doesn't work. And a lot of, a lot of people believe that, that, that that's the, the progression and it's really not. And I'm gonna quickly go into that. When it comes to being happy when, so let's say I say, oh, I'm, I'm gonna be happy when I lose 20 pounds. And I get to that point that I lose 20 pounds. You know, I'm happy at that point because I've, you know, I've accomplished a goal. Absolutely, you're going to be happy at that point. But what's going to end up happening is if you're not already happy in your within yourself, you're going to find something else that you're not going to be happy about. Well, now I have to go, you know, do shopping and try on all these clothes because now I don't fit my clothing. We're always going to find something else that we don't like. And that's not confidence. That's trying to find your happiness in an outside source. Totally, exactly. So that's literally, it's like, I call it outsourcing your happiness. Um, that's what like I, when I work with clients, that's what I say. And 
also it does two things so one is that you're really always depending on something external to happen to gratify you and you're and second you're never really living in the present because then you're constantly waiting for something else to happen to make you happy to make you feel good to make you feel confident or yeah happy in some way which is something that's completely outside you it is also outside your control in a way that because yes you want for example you might want to lose 20 pounds but what if your goal is you know it's like you're there you're getting there but then you're not really enjoying the journey and then you get there and you're like oh now what so you're not feeling confident in the now you're not feeling confident in that journey and you're waiting for that thing to make you feel better yeah absolutely we the progression that i find when we're young we experience all this stuff our biggest confidence the biggest years where we create our confidence are our pre and early teens um those 10 years from maybe the age of eight to the age of 18, even higher, that 10 year period is some of our most transformational. That is, you know, any mm -hmm. trauma that we experience, any um, peer pressure that we experience, bullying, all of the stuff that we experience during that life, during that, that span of our life, that's when we start to create our confidence. That's when we start to create our idea of who we are what we like, what we don't like, you know, and during that time, we're going through puberty, we're going through peer pressure, we're going through change in schooling, change in friendships, mm. we're learning how to cope during that entire time frame of our school age years. And what happens is we build these beliefs, right? You see, if your parents mm. get divorced, if your friends decide that they don't want to be your friend anymore because you've now gone to drugs and alcohol or you don't want to be their friends anymore because all they think about is girls and sex whatever that looks like we start to create beliefs now if you've had childhood trauma you'll create beliefs in order to protect yourself the attitude the aggression the um standoffishness the aloneness mm -hmm. that we feel at that time the fears and we create those beliefs. What ends up happening is as adults, we're still living on those beliefs, right? Yes. We're still making decisions okay. based on those beliefs. We're still making um, our plan and our path and any action or reactions that we take are based on those beliefs. That's the noise. That's the noise. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, exactly. And you've, you've explained all of that so well. And also like for anyone listening, I'm like, you can really see how much and how big is that noise. It's like, when in life did you get a chance to choose your beliefs, to choose your experiences, to choose to create your reality until you become aware of the fact that, oh my God, like I am, I am still living in survival to the response of the trauma that happened to me when I was a child or when I was younger or the bullying that happened or, you know, like, in any way that um, whether you were like emotionally not treated well by parents or, you know, cultural narratives or something happened to you while growing up. Um, even like in relationships, there can be different levels and degrees of trauma. So this is exactly why it's so important for us to stop, recalibrate and begin to take our power back from all of these things 
and you know be very mindful about what is the kind of life that you want to create how do you want how do you want to show up what are the beliefs that are serving you and what are the beliefs that are not serving you um even stopping and thinking about like trauma i it only i only uncovered it like 2 years ago that what happened to me in my childhood and while growing up was actually a form of trauma because i grew up with the narratives that i'd lost my mom when i was 11 years old and then my dad was really really like um just emotionally abusive controlling physical there was like obviously physical abuse also so in all of that i just grew up thinking that oh i'm strong and so what i still had a decent upbringing and this is like this is all fine but when i started doing the work i started realizing that there was just so much fear anxiety so many you know beliefs about wanting to please other people or asking for permission or wanting to be liked by other people because that was me constantly trying to do as a child from a dad so this is just an example of you know how these things that happen they shape our personality so then or shape our life so then when we start to become aware or when we have the power we can choose to bring it all back and change these beliefs yeah absolutely and it's the perception and i'm glad that you said as you were growing up it was the you know i i wasn't traumatized i'm just it made me stronger there are people who fight that that's the end result the end result so i was talking the other day to one of our guests about the process right and not a lot of people want to hear the process but i'm going to tell you anyway when you have limiting beliefs or trauma beliefs from your childhood and you carry those into adulthood a lot of people don't realize that they're holding on to that trauma so you held on to the trauma and the beliefs but you had already had the perception that that made you stronger but you didn't process the belief there is a mm. a process mm. that we need to go through and the process is is that you don't go back and relive or or rehash what happened but you do vocalize it right this happened a lot so for my own coaching and this isn't this is just the process so my own coaching mm -hmm. what i take my clients through is how are you unhappy right now if you're unhappy right mm -hmm. now that relates to something else that relates to an unaligned belief that relates to trauma that relates to not feeling like you're you're in control or that you have a good claim on who you are and what and what matters to you and so what i do is i'm mm -hmm. like okay let's figure out what caused it and then we go back and we look at all the little things that that led up to where you are now and we say you survived that though right you're still holding on to the trauma you don't need that trauma you don't need to protect yourself mm -hmm. from that trauma anymore let's get rid of those beliefs that don't work for you and create some that do while not necessarily thinking that trauma because it isn't about being grateful for the trauma it isn't about the fact is that every single one of us goes through trauma every single one of us none of us are exempt yes. from these these conditions and traumas and issues that we grew up none of us are exempt so mm -hmm. while i don't mm -hmm. wish trauma on anyone i've made it my focus to change the way we look at that trauma because we're all going to mm -hmm. experience it totally it just depends yeah, on I how we that. look at it 
hundred percent. Completely agree with you. Yes. What? Um, sorry. Go ahead. One of my uh, I coined uh, a term um, a few years ago, and it is there's two. <laughs> the first one <laughs> is that your emotions create your reality, but your mindset creates your emotions. Your emotional health is directly created by the beliefs you hold in your mindset. The second one is that negativity is the catalyst to positive growth. And that is exactly what it is. I don't wish negativity on anyone, but negativity is what springboards you forward into being stronger, smarter, wiser, strong, uh, more confident once you process the trauma. Mm -hmm completely and just to add to that it's just another way of looking at the phrase that trauma is your teacher um and till the time i started processing my trauma i was yes i grew up believing that yeah this has made me strong but at the same time under that belief was suppression of all the grief like i had never grieved the loss of my mom till last year and that's like 24 years of living with that you know, like with that loss and grief and whatever, or like of the little child in me who lost her mom. Um, and I was just never taught how to process it, how to deal with that. And all I was, uh, all I ever heard was you have to be strong and you have to look after your siblings, look after your dad, look after whatever, be a good girl, do well, make mom proud. So with all of those things, I thought processing my emotions was weak. I thought being feminine was weak. And I, I was always trying to go, 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 do, 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 and not really ever like if even if I would cry I would hide and fight back those tears so now you know it's like what I'm trying to say is that these are the narratives that go around us so then we don't look at trauma or our emotions or healing and feeling these things in a positive light but when things like these happen to you when anything it's like our mind you know our mind expands our capacity to feel and also think beyond a certain level expands when we're in a challenging situation. That's why we push ourselves at work. We love challenge. We love the whole competition and doing well and stuff, right? So it's similar to that in a way that it's not positive at all. But when, you're, when you go through trauma, it's actually happening to teach you things. And it is expanding your capacity. It, it expanded my capacity to be able to deal with other adversities. But what is really important is that instead of suppressing it, because then those suppressed emotions and feelings actually just lead to resentments, outbursts, all of these things later, even like diseases later in life, because they're actually just getting accumulated in our body, um, which is, yeah, which is why it's so important to spread the awareness around the fact that all of us are going through some sort of trauma. Like if you've not had the kind of trauma that I had, you've probably had your level of trauma from heartbreak or, you know, from being cheated on or different things or being bullied in school. So then getting that awareness, spreading that awareness and being willing to do that work on yourself. And this is where stuff like somatic healing comes in, mindset work comes in, working with coaches comes in. Uh, because this helps you look at the fact that it's okay to feel. And it's okay to, and it's actually not okay, but it's very important to heal yourself. It's as, 
it's as important as like we think going to the gym is important and obviously your work is important but I actually think that investing in your healing and in this work in your mindset is equally as important I a thousand percent agree, <laughs> which is one of the main reasons I help people do that. And you help people do that, right? Is because we do find the value and, and the need for it. There are so many people who are struggling with their mental and emotional health and they don't mm -hmm. know what to do about it. They don't know how to process that healing and, and excuse me, just give, give space for that healing. So First thing I want to mention for everybody watching or catching the replay is it is okay not to be okay. Totally. It is yes. absolutely okay to be wherever it is that you're at right now. I want to go into some of the, some of the signs that you have unprocessed trauma or you've got unprocessed or even limiting beliefs mm -hmm. that are holding you back. Um, okay. So let's talk about what is the noise. The noise is shame guilt vulnerability um lack of confidence yes. but it's not just the negative ones a lot of the noise we find and people don't mention this very often a lot of the noise in our head are i have to be a great mom i have to be a great wife i have mm -hmm. to be a great daughter and i'm speaking on on a feminine place because i am a woman so it's this isn't singling out men men can be thinking i need to be the provider if i don't provide my family with this mm -hmm. and I'm a failure, right? There is a lot, not only the pressure that we're putting on ourselves because of our own beliefs, but the pressure and the noise we put in on our own heads because of society, because of culture, religion, yeah. politics, all of the, all of the noise going on around us, our peers, our family and our friends, all of that adds to that noise it adds to the noise that we've already got going on in our brains that go you're not good enough but i need to be a perfect mom you're not happy but i need to put all of my energy into my husband and kids you you know mm -hmm. and that's the noise we want to quiet right that's the noise that we mm -hmm. want to bring down so I, i'd love for you to add on to what the noise is yes it's all of that and um yeah, it's another thing that always um, comes up in with a lot of women that I work with is that as women, at least we find a lot of gratification in serving someone else and making them happy. And then we think, oh, if my husband is happy, like you said, if my in-laws are happy, my kids are happy, I'm happy. So we are limiting beliefs that like, I'm not good enough. I'm not loud enough to be a leader or, you know, I'm not skinny enough or thin enough to be, or I don't look attractive enough. If that is not my body image, it's, these are all the narratives that are being fed to us by the society, by the culture, by the media. And so we never even stop to think, well, who am I besides these, besides these labels? Like who am I? What even not looking at our personality, but like, who am I? Like, what do I feel? And what is happening in my body when I'm feeling these things? So I think that's the noise and that's where we disconnected because we're like constantly running with these anxious thoughts in our heads that, oh, if I don't do this, if I don't work this much, or if I don't perform like this, I'm not gonna be looked at in good light. So these are all the limiting beliefs, uh, which is all noise. And then, because you literally can do the things that you put your mind to, it's, we do create our own reality and 
I'm not going to get into like obviously extreme examples, but you can choose to stand up for yourself. You can choose to feel more confident. And one of the reasons that we often don't feel confident is because we're just scared of people's judgment. We are scared of what will the society say? What will this one say? Again, limiting beliefs or our fears. And our fears come from the fact that we're just scared of being judged. We're scared of being left out. We're scared of being abandoned. And the fear of not being loved or the fear of being abandoned are two of our biggest fears because as an infant, those were the two needs that we that had to be met from our parents. So if you look at it, everything in this noise, it does come down to these couple of things where we're scared of being left out, scared of not being accepted in the community, scared of being judged by someone else. And ultimately all of that goes down to fear of not being loved, fear of being abandoned, not being accepted by someone. So then it just comes down to us pausing and looking at that noise and starting to recalibrate, well, why am I succumbing to these thoughts? And what does this mean for me in my life? Yeah. Another one that I'd love to mention is um, you think about um, mothers, wives, mothers, husbands, fathers. I don't know how. So everybody who watches the show knows that I have my priority. I'm my number one. My husband's number two. My children are number three. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many mothers that I've heard who have said, I'm only living for my children. My number one priority is Mm. my children. There is such a stigma that society has conditioned. And I'm going to say that again, society has conditioned women to believe that it is selfish to put themselves first. Completely, 100%. Our entire self-worth, I think, depends on looking after our family and if we're being a good mom. And also on top of that, I was actually having this amazing chat with some girlfriends last night that it's like we've forgotten how to be feminine as women because we are trying to do so much. We also want to achieve well at work. We want to look after our kids. We obviously, we want to please our husbands. We want to be in good books with our family. Like we literally feel, and it is the narrative that you feel that is being fed to us, that to be able to feel good about yourself, you need to be doing all of these things, especially when it comes to kids or when it comes to your partner, but also that, and then when you stop and think about it, well, you can, you cannot pour from an empty cup you have to fill your own cup. You have to look after yourself first. And by that, again, I don't mean just, you know, having a rest day, having a spa day. It is self-care is deep. Like this self-worth, like work on self-worth that you are allowed to place yourself before your kids or your husband or your family only then when you are emotionally satisfied, when you deeply you know, in touch with yourself, can you really serve anyone else? Or can you really be there for anyone else? 
I can, <laughs> I, I'm beyond completely agree. And I, I want to, I'm, I'm actually going to record this on my phone too and upload it to TikTok. This one thing, because I have a challenge for everybody watching, uh, everybody catching the replay. Let's say you have a best friend that you grew up with. And then all of a sudden, one of you moves away. When that person moves away, let's say they're gone for 5, 10, 15, 20 years even. Let's just say 20 years. So your best friend has moved away and you haven't connected with this person for 20 years. Are you going to be able to just jump back right in? Or are you really going to have any idea who this person is anymore? That's what we do. You think about your relationship with your partner when you have children, right? Whether you're a wife, a father, or a mother or a father, it doesn't matter. When you have children, if you make your children the number one priority, and that doesn't mean that we're not making them a priority, but when you put them as, an, as the number one priority, when they're 18, when they're 20, <laughs> They move yeah. out. Totally. Right. And that's what happens. Are you going to know that's... who your partner is? Right? If, yeah. you, if you put your children yeah. or your partner, are you going to even know who your partner is 20 years later? You're going to wake up one morning, your kids are going to be gone, and you're going to be like, who are you? Yeah. But never mind that. Yeah. Who am I? If you don't pay attention to who you are, to your own growth, to your needs, to your likes, to your dislikes, to how you're growing as an individual. Think about that best friend. 20 years later, you're not going to know who you are. Why do you think women struggle with emptiness, with being an empty nester? Mm. You make your career your priority for 50 years and you go to retire you don't know who you are after that 50 years because your life has revolved around work. If you mm -hmm. have put all of your time and effort into a relationship and that relationship ends, whether that's through divorce, death, whatever, you're not going to know who you are. Now there's trauma attached to that. So I'm, I'm not saying there's not trauma attached to that. That's different. That's not what I'm talking yeah. about. I'm talking about hmm. if you put your everything into everybody else, it's like the best friend who left for 20 years. You're not going to know who she is. No, I, and it's such a good way of explaining it, Melissa. I love that because this, this is such a good example to understand the disconnection to ourselves. It's like we're so busy. Obviously, we grow up with that narrative, but then... We spend our life trying to please everyone else, do all of these things, achieve whatever. So we've naturally disconnected from ourselves. And then I've noticed this with some of my uncles actually recently. It's like when you retire, then you start to recalibrate your life and you're like, oh, now the noise has ended. What is like, what am I doing? And I'm bored and I don't know what to do with myself. Who am I? And what has my life been about? So it's, and also, you know, so when kids grow up, they do have to live their own life. So they do go, they do their own things. And often as parents, they can end up placing those expectations on kids, which is, I think, 
which isn't really fair because then we're all supposed to be our own people. We're all supposed to be our own individuals over here. And it's just getting that getting lost in translation, which often leads to these feelings of disconnection, emptiness. Then we start searching for our purpose later on in life, which I think if it starts becoming a part of our part of our everyday messaging, like a part of this awareness that our life is actually about our own soul journey. It isn't about anyone else, however closely they are related. It is about coming home to yourself. And then it is about serving it from that place where you are, you know, like where you are full, where you are satisfied and you're connected to yourself. And another analogy, right, is if you have somebody who, let's say from the day you're born to the day you die, right, you have one person that is specifically there just for you to be your cheerleader, to be your confidant, to be your best friend, to be the person who goes through life with you who's there to guide you and support you and love you and treat you great. Could you imagine having that best friend for your entire lifetime? You do though. We do. And that's ourselves. Yes. Yes. And that's exactly. So I'd love to highlight two things here. So often when I work with clients and they're stuck in this cycle of not being able to find the right partner or you know like the repetitive pattern of dating the same kind of people I often it's a simple exercise and it it does wonders I often tell them to go make a list of the qualities they want in that partner and then be that partner for themselves like if you want your partner to be xyz embody that in yourself if you want them to love you a certain way give that to yourself so you are your own best partner so then when you meet someone you're meeting them again from a place of fullness and because you've embodied those things and you're not like out there just seeking these things so it's so similar to that example of you know what you're saying it's like if you want a best friend like that or if you want anything any of these relationships to reflect what you want it's like you have to give that to yourself so often what we're seeking from other people the approval the people pleasing or acceptance it's like we have to give that to ourselves Mm -hmm. absolutely and when we're in a relationship especially when we're looking for our ideal partner i have i have programs on that and trainings on that myself that's one of the things i do and with that it's your ideal partner has nothing to do with them it, it, there's literally, there are so many, so many people out there who will make a list. I want them to have this color hair. I want them to be, you know, they have to have a job, no kids, you know, all of it, right. <laughs> Emotionally <of> available <laughs> details, right. Funny, charming, all of that. Disney taught us that we wanted Mr. Tall, Dark and Handsome, right. The princess yes. needs tall, dark and handsome, right. But what ends mm-hmm. up happening is if you focus on rich, tall, dark, handsome, Prince Charming, you get a narcissistic a-hole that's not going to treat you well and probably sleeping with everybody else. But if you mm-hmm. write a list of expectations of things that you want in a relationship, 
it all revolves on how you want to feel. I want to feel loved. I want to feel safe. I want to feel supported. I want to feel comfortable and I want to laugh and I want to have fun and I want to be spontaneous. It's all about you, Hmm. how you want to be, how you want to feel. I wrote a book on relationships and it goes hand in hand with your relationship with yourself. Every relationship Hmm. that I had, and I'm not wearing my wedding rings, (laughs) every relationship (laughs) I had growing up before my husband was it, they all failed. Mm. And I took a look Mm. at every single one of them. And I said, what did I learn from each of these relationships that I can work to make better in my ideal relationship? And I took all of those and I created the space Mm -hmm. that I wanted to be in with my ideal partner. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Him and I fight because that's what we need. Him and I are very um, emotional and passionate. And so that aggression and, you know, Mm. we feed off of that. And so we give each other that, right? And I'm not worried about being cheated on. I'm not, I'm safe and I'm supportive. He doesn't, Mm. you know, he might not believe in the things that I believe in. I didn't have my spiritual awakening and become a spiritual teacher or a coach until we were married for how many years are we at? So um, five years ago, so mm-hmm. probably eight years in. And he yeah. supported, he might not have believed in, in spiritual gifts and abilities, but he supported me. He said, right on, good for you. Mm. you know, how can I help you? He supported me. And that was one thing mm. I wanted. And I got that because I created mm-hmm. the space within myself for him to join. Yes. Yes, totally. I love that. And it's a very similar story with me and my husband as well, because he doesn't get everything about the work I do, but, and he doesn't have to, like we can be different people, but that's exactly where I'm not looking, like I'm getting the satisfaction in myself because this is driving me. And, you know, I respect that we're different people, but, and he supports me, but it's again, it's like, we've been together for 13 years and I think it's worked so well, like it has, because we've never really like we have understood each other's need for space and all of that. We've had healthy conflicts, healthy boundaries, conscious um, communication, which is also why like I'm in Bali right now for three months and he's okay with that. So it is about, but if I was just constantly looking for acceptance, validation and, you know, pleasing him, then I am not living my own life. I'm living my life for someone else. And who also, someone who's receiving that, I think, I, I think we can all feel that needy energy as well. And we can all feel that excessive anxiety or energy when, you know, when we're on the receiving end, which is also why most of the relationships which are strong and thriving, they thrive when both people are in their power. When, we're, when both the people are giving themselves, you know, that satisfaction and acceptance and love, and then you come together and then it's beautiful because you're both not really seeking anything, but you're really just coming together because it's fun being together. It's good being together. Yeah. So going back to our topic, reclaiming yourself by, you know, removing the noise. So we've talked about the noise. I'm just going to quickly recap. We've talked about the noise being those limiting beliefs, the traumas, the 
you know, I need to be a perfect this, or I need to be great at that, the people pleasing, right? The, even the roles and the titles that we love, being a wife, being a mother, being a father and a brother, mm -hmm. even those mm -hmm. roles create a lot of noise. So for me, the first step yes. in, in removing that noise is feeling. It's letting yourself feel, acknowledge and feel whatever emotion, whatever feeling, whatever situation comes up for you is just feeling it. Number one, just feel it. 100%. Yes. Right? Sit with feel it. it. Accepted. Yes. Yep. Sit with acceptance. Yes. Yep. Sit with whatever you're feeling. Right. And the second mm -hmm. part, not only just sit with it, you know, like we said, accept it, sit with it, understand it. Right. But don't let it keep mm -hmm. you there. Mm -hmm. Right. You have Transmuted. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Now, one of the ways, because we're talking about, uh, you know, reclaiming yourself and removing the noise, one of the ways that you remove the noise is one, feeling it, right? Number two, accepting it. Number three, finding things that calm you. So meditation, I'm a spiritual teacher. Um, I don't teach meditation the way that everybody else does, because I don't believe that meditation is to clear your mind. I believe the true purpose mm. of meditation is to calm your emotions. When you calm your emotions mm. and you can just let those thoughts come in, let it in and then let it go. You, you process them, right? When you calm your emotions, you're able mm. to process. If you've ever, and, and, and again, I challenge everybody watching, if you've ever been caught up in the noise and that noise is causing a lot of emotion, you don't think about the solution. Mm -hmm. You don't think, well, I can do this and that'll help, or I can do this and that'll mm -hmm. help. You don't think about mm -hmm. the possibilities. All you're focused on is desperation of getting rid of that emotion. That's where your abuse of oh, drugs, really. abuse of alcohol. So when you start getting into abuse, alcohol, drugs, sex, um, <clears throat> self-harm, when you start getting into those toxic mm -hmm. behaviors, it's because you are desperately trying to either remove or replace an emotion. So meditation yeah. is quieting that emotion. Now, meditation can be driving in your car, listening to the music, full blast, screaming yeah. and crying, mm. or whatever that looks like for you, right? It's releasing mm -hmm. that emotion. Uh, meditation can mm. be sitting in a quiet room, having a hot bath, going to get your nails done. Um, for men mm. or women, you know, boxing, physical, physical activity, movement, art therapy, music mm. therapy, whatever it looks like, anything that calms your emotions is meditation. Mm -hmm. It's relaxing. 100%. Totally. It's, I completely agree with you because this is exactly how I look at meditation. Um, so and I also teach yoga and I love doing yoga myself. And I've seen so many benefits of that. And I also tell people that yoga is like moving meditation because what that's doing is basically allowing you. And that's why it's like, you don't have to have a proper process to sit and meditate. Meditation is basically like you can sit quietly, like just sit with yourself. Maybe you're in a cafe, maybe you're driving, whatever you're doing, like 
and you're painting, all of these flow state kind of activities, which allow you to observe your thoughts. And like you said, like going from one side to another, that's literally how we describe it when I guide a meditation as well. It's your thoughts, you're just observing your thoughts and then you are feeling your emotions because like anxiety happens when you have too much going on and you have no idea how to stop and process your emotions and process your thoughts. So naturally you're not looking at the solution you're living in the past, you're living in the future, you're just too carry, you know, you're just too engrossed in the same cycle, negative loop, which isn't helping you. And meditation, yoga, breath work, like these things are actually somatic practices, which put you in touch with your body because they calm you, like they allow you to sit. This is why it's so hard for people to sit quietly and sit, just sit in med- meditations. Like they need to be constantly doing things to be numbing their emotions and distracting themselves from anything difficult that has to come up but it's really just somatic practices they help you feel what's happening inside you they put you in touch with your thoughts and your emotions so yeah it's spot on yeah um i'm going to be hosting retreats soon and one of the things Mm -hmm. we're going to be doing is just sitting and feeling that emotion and just letting it out. You think of a volcano, right? Yeah. And an emotion is energy. Emotion creates um, energetic That's fields it. in our body, right? Yeah. So if yeah. you think of all the noise, all of the stress, anxiety, panic, guilt, all of those negative emotions that we've got coming in, even the positive ones that are creating all that noise. If you think of a volcano, that volcano mm-hmm. is under pressure. So as that pressure builds and none of that pressure gets released, what ends up happening is that volcano erupts, right? Our emotions are like that volcano. If you're not processing them now, whether you are bypassing them, because that is, uh, if you're doing the positivity movement, if you're doing cancel culture, if you're doing anything along Mm. those lines, you are not processing your emotions. You're pushing them to the side. That doesn't work. You're actually Mm -hmm. pushing them down. And what ends up happening is, again, Mm. you're building more of that pressure because you're not releasing it and you're not processing it. That's why you will have breakdowns. That's why you start abusing, um, like, again, drugs, alcohol, Mm self-harm, all of that, toxic behaviors, uh, panic Mm -hmm. and anxiety, depression. A lot of people don't understand that Mm. emotional depression is what, you know, we can create depression through our emotional our emotional well-being, yes. right? Um, yes. Not just clinical. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when we can, number one, sit with the emotion, just feel it, let it happen and release it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> another yeah. good thing to do to release uh, that emotion and just to kind of um, quiet the noise is journaling, right? Um, and if you're not good yes. at journaling, yeah. just be conscious of what you're thinking. Be conscious of the noise that that's the, uh, that's the next part Mm -hmm. is really being conscious of, okay, I've felt the emotion. I've acknowledged it. I've accepted it and kind of let it move forward. I'm going to actually identify what that noise is. When you can identify what the noise is, that is one of the biggest steps Mm -hmm. to changing that noise and have it not affect you or impact you as much as it has been right when you know Mm -hmm. when you know what noise is coming into your head and you start catching it 
That's when you start to change Mm -hmm. how it affects you. That's what starts creating the control, the confidence, the empowerment, the belief in yourself, the self-worth, self-love, self-help. All of that starts with these steps into personal development, right? Is understanding your emotions and the beliefs. Totally. There's so many, so many beautiful nuggets in all that you just said. Um, And I just want to add that it all starts with awareness. So when we have the awareness, instead of, let's say you're, it's like, you know, it's like when you need to up level, your body starts to show you. The universe is giving you science, but then it's like, you know, as a teacher, like you can teach as a coach, you can tell people, you can guide them, show them the way. And it's the same, like with the universe or our body, like if they're constantly giving us signs, but then if we keep trying to run away from them, we are actually, we're not helping ourselves. So awareness is where it all starts. Like when we start becoming aware, that's the sign that, okay, I need to take the next step instead of now turning to alcohol or drugs or, you know, any kind of numbing or even like excessive Netflix or emotional eating and things like these. And second, um, I wanted to add that it's, again, I spoke about this on my stories yesterday, that often when we suppress our emotions, let's say for women, for example, a common one that I see is that it's not nice to be angry. So because you just have to be polite and dainty and you can't express your rage, right? So much resonance to that. And what happens is that when you're suppressing that anger in your body, a lot of my clients, like they're clenching their jaw so much that their head's hurting and their jawline is hurting and they speak at night or they clench, they grind their teeth at night. So that is suppressed anger in your body, which is physically affecting you. And if you're not going to look at this and work on accepting and healing and releasing it, then this is going to manifest into migraines or, you know, like your other diseases later on. And exactly like a volcano, it's going to erupt out as a resentment, as a trigger, as, you know, like a violent argument. By violent, I mean, loud, you know, like it could be like loud rows or like constant arguments, bickering, all of that with your partner, with your family. And that is what actually causes that resentment. And that's those suppressed emotions is what causes disconnection in relationships. So it's really like the work of accepting and healing and releasing is actually massive because it has waves, like it spreads like waves in all parts of our lives. That's one of the reasons why I work with men too, Um, because this show is not just for women. So I'm going to touch on the, on the male aspect Mm -hmm. um, for a minute here is men are constantly, and I mean, constantly told that emotions crimes for sissies emotions are for women Mm -hmm. um you need to be strong and tough and if you think about the amount of people even as a woman as a woman how angry if you hold things in how angry do you get when you hold those emotions in when you try to stop yourself from Mm. crying from getting angry from expressing any of your emotions how much does that build up? And we wonder why men turn to aggression. 
why men turn into um, abusers, you know, and it's not just mm. men, but we question why men are so aggressive, so overbearing, so mm. in your face. You think of how many emotions they're suppressing on a daily basis mm. because they're oh, not allowed totally. to show weakness through emotion. They're not allowed to mm. be sissies or, or be feminine, right? Because as soon as a man shows mm. femininity, it's, oh, you're, you know, you know, yeah, you get mm. judged and ridiculed, yeah. accusations and rejections, yes. all of this. And that's oh, not okay. So no, no. Yes, go ahead. Our entire identity comes down to our beliefs and how those beliefs mm. shape our emotional health right? Because our mindset shapes our emotional health. When we're not emotionally happy and we have negative mindsets, whether that is self-deprecating, whether that is losing yourself to the noise, we make decisions that are not logically thought through. We make decisions out of emotion. We make decisions out of fear, out, out of vulnerability, out of guilt, out of shame, out of trying to people please. We will make various decisions that are not for our greatest good. And it's because we are emotionally unstable, emotionally unhappy, and our mindset is not in a confident, comfortable place within ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also like overall, all of these things, I think when it's like your mindset and emotions and they're both not in a very stable state. It's like a dysregulated nervous system. So think of it as if you're constantly, let's say our nervous system is developed for fight or flight when we used to be, you know, like our ancestors used to be in tribes and jungles when they had to fend off against the natural danger, right? So now if we are still, the, our circumstances have changed, but obviously we haven't adapted to it as well because we're still living through that trauma and we're living that fight or flight in situations which are seemingly safe. So think of it as, can you, const you can't constantly be fighting a lion. You can't constantly be on vigil, on the edge, trying to fight the danger, but that's how we live. So if we are living in a constant state of fight or flight, we're not gonna be able to make rational decisions or stable, calm decisions, which is why we often then, it can be like a cascading effect as well. It's like, if something isn't going right and you're dwelling on that, then you're going to struggle to make better choices. And then we say everything's falling apart and I'm depressed and nothing's working out. And it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, and okay, so nobody, nobody get mad at me for this analogy, but you think of a dog, okay? And, and I'm gonna use a dog as an example because we see it all the time on social media, through pet rescues, you think of a dog that's been abused, right? Or been traumatized. Mm. There are two outcomes from that animal, right? Either that animal is cowering in fear, doesn't trust anybody, goes, you know, goes along with whatever because they're just so terrified that if they don't do as they're told, they're going to get punished. Mm. So they do everything and anything, mm -hmm. right? Then you think of the other path of a dog that's been traumatized is the aggression, right? It's either the mm -hmm. submissive fear or the absolute aggression and terror. 
right? You have the fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we as human beings, we have that. We have that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. If you've been traumatized and you are emotionally scarred or or in a negative emotional state, you're going to people please. You're going to do everything everybody Mm -hmm. asks you to. You're going to Mm -hmm. be vindictive and volatile. You look at bullies. A lot of the kids that are bullies these days are being bullied themselves in one way or another. And that doesn't excuse the bully, yes. but it gives oh, yes. insight into it, right? Yes. If you have a woman who is absolutely mm. and utterly aggressive, there is something going on in her mindset that is creating that behavior. Mm. And instead of saying, Hey, you know what? Let's talk. We've sensationalized it. You look at the mm-hmm. typical atypical Karens right now, right? That's, mm-hmm. there's something going yeah. on within them, right? Don't get me wrong. If I believe that mm-hmm. I'm right, I will fight. Absolutely, I'll fight if I believe that I've been wrong. But I don't automatically go towards aggression, right? But somebody who mm-hmm. is within that trauma mind space will automatically jump to, aggression or jump to yes I'm yeah. sorry I'll do it uh, right now right mm-hmm. there's the people pleasing or the aggression mm-hmm. those are natural progression mm-hmm. yeah and that's exactly they're both like classic examples of living in a state of dysregulation because you're constantly then you're people pleasing because you're scared that someone will say something which rejects you or you'll hurt someone and then you lose everyone you know it's like I was a people pleaser because that's how I grew. It's like I was constantly trying to please my dad. And if I wasn't doing that, I was scared I'll be beaten or I'll be thrown out of the house and I wouldn't be able to look after myself. So being aware of that now, it's like I having done some work on myself. I'm, I see that past version of me and I'm like, oh my gosh, like how was I living like that? And same with aggression you're so right it's like you can see when someone's like carrying a lot of pain and again I can go now I look at my dad and I'm like I can instead of blaming him for how he was I can see that he's carrying that pain and aggression because he's never released it and so he's never transmuted the trauma that would have happened to him which is why again coming back to what we started the conversation with it's so important to understand why healing working with the coach or working on these things it's so important it's like it's imperative it's not that oh I might need this I'll do it when I need it but it's like you start uncovering the layers and you don't know what all comes up yeah absolutely all right well is there anything else you'd like to add before we get going um no I think um we did cover everything I think my last thing would really just be that as a confidence coach I would just say that confidence is not some you know like some fancy word that's out there our confidence is really just us realizing that we are more than the narratives that the society gives us so if we just pull ourselves back from I'm not this I'm not that I need to be this I need to be that and you just come home to yourself that's where your confidence lies. And yeah, and I I think that's kind of sums up what we were here to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think my last thing I want to mention is reclaiming yourself, reclaiming your identity, reclaiming 
you know, by removing the noise, we've gone over many ways of removing the noise. One thing I wanted to mention is mm. when you're reclaiming yourself, number one, look at yourself in a mirror. And I make my own clients do this is, or I suggest mm. to my own clients to do this mm. is look at yourself in a mirror. And I want you to think of the narrative that's in your head when you look at yourself and when you truly look at yourself, mm. what kind of things are you saying to yourself that's creating more noise, right? Start thinking about that okay. and, mm. and then stop yourself. When you notice that you're starting to get mm. into that narrative of you're not worthy or you're stupid or what an idiotic mm. move or whatever that narrative is that you're playing yes. in your head, mm. you'll start correcting yourself before you say it. Mm -hmm. Completely, completely. Yes. I mean, I'm mindful of the time, but again, it's like this conversation is so good and it's so good to be talking about these things to create awareness, but it's the same. It's like some of, some people can't even look at themselves in the mirror and say nice things. And like, they can't say, I love you. They can't fully accept themselves. And that's like, that's hard. And that's where the work lies. You know, when you can't do that or when you're struggling to do that, that's like a big sign that you can ask for help and, you know, you can start to develop that relationship with yourself. Yeah. And you don't have to be perfect to love yourself. I love no, myself. No I, I unconditionally <laughs> love myself and everything about myself, but that doesn't love mean that. I like it all. I don't like my weight. Mm. I don't like that. I don't have perfectly white teeth, but I love myself and I don't reject mm. or ridicule mm. myself just for those things <laughs> that I don't like. Yeah, you don't have to like everything. Oh, that's such a good point. No, I exactly. Oh my gosh, exactly. Um, same. I feel like I live in this state of acceptance, and I I do love myself. I love how I look after myself. I treat myself. How I expect to be treated by others. How I draw my boundaries. But at the same time, I may not like the fact that I had some you know like physically like I've had four amputations in one of my foot in my right foot I'm like I don't like it but I am living and I'm working on accepting that but I still love myself as a human being as a person and they can be different things and again you don't have to be perfect because we I don't think I don't even think we can ever be perfect because we are a constant work in progress it's like that's what our life is about you don't ever get to a point where you're like right I'm perfect and I have nothing else to work on that's the day you die <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah. you have nothing else to yeah. work on um I I have loved having you on the show this is such a topic that feeds my soul I I wish everybody mm. had the unconditional love for themselves that I do it, it that's not a it's so important. We are from the day we're born to the day we die. We are our own number one constant. There is nobody mm -hmm. who goes or mm -hmm. should go from day one to day zero. It, that doesn't, it doesn't happen. And when we truly no. love ourselves, that opens up such an amazing journey 
that you wouldn't even think of because you're oh, not completely. always and self-love mm-hmm. yeah and self-love is not selfish like let's just try to remove that statement from however it exists like self-love is the most important thing before you think before we we start to venture out with everything else it's like if you've got if you've got you you can't do what you want to do and you can't achieve what you want to achieve but you have to have your own back i am hashtagging that right now self-love <laughs> is not selfish so for everybody watching (laughs) hashtag self-love is not selfish let's just get that going because it is so true self-love isn't selfish it is selfless we need Mm. to start loving ourselves unconditionally Mm. and opening ourselves up to something so much better all right well Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I've, I've had a blast. Same. Thank you for having me. I love, I literally loved this conversation and could not have had a better start to my day than feeding my soul with this chat. So thank you. Yes. End of my night. It's nine o'clock here. So that is perfect. <laughs> it's still Friday here. So. It's 10 here, yeah. <laughs> Amazing, you've got an extra day to me. (laughs) Thanks so much, Melissa. This has been a pleasure. You are very welcome. All right, for all of you watching my Dista family, um, if you want to connect with either myself or Peru, please do so. Our links are in the description. If you would like to connect with myself through a Phoenix Identity, who is our sponsor for today, I am offering you a $97 clarity session where we're going to get down to the bottom, we're gonna start getting you some clarity, some self-love, some awareness of what your noise is and how you can start removing that from your life. So if you wanna get started on that journey, absolutely click the link, use Clarity One as the coupon code and you get it for $97 instead of 149. So go and check that out, link in the description. For all of you watching, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Like, follow, and share the show. Join our newsletter at justalivetv.com. And we are always looking for co-hosts or, sorry, guest speakers, as well as if you have a featured topic that you want to see on the show, please reach out. We are always looking for topics that need to be spoken of um, through this platform. So lots of love, just a family. Again, Pearl, thank you so much for joining me. You're so welcome. My pleasure. All right, Justin family. This is your host, Melissa Kretschler. I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye.